Now, here is one of the last shows, after-hour shows of the year, and I will welcome back again Joe Shavota, who I've been trying to have on this show most of the fall, and as many of you know, you regular listeners during the fall and winter and football season, the show gets uh, pinched and canceled, but here we are. I'm holding in my hands uh, Joe's memoir, Brothers, Bears, and Beers, a memoir of friendships, adventures, and mishaps. I got to tell you, Joe, and the reason I wanted you on the show is this is a fabulous book. You you must have heard from some of your brothers and friends what a great book this is. Do you sense that? Have you gotten the message? Yes, I think what's resonated for for both friends and, and people that have read the book is it resonates with them at some level, and it's you know it covers a, a I guess it's surprising to me, but people that went to college in the '60s, it's like I'm writing their story. That's what I hear. Well, that's yeah, and you and I are roughly the same age, and I want to I want to start uh, before uh, the adventures in Brothers Bears and Beers. You were born and raised in Woodstock, a, a town which I know very very well. What was that? You didn't grow up on a farm, did you? No. we Actually, I was born in north-central Wisconsin and then moved to Woodstock when I was three years old. Oh, that's still um, the same. Exactly. And so Woodstock at the time was about 8,000 people, you know, all-American city. I think it was 1963 or whatever. Sure. And, and it, I had relatives, have relatives in Chicago. So to us, obviously, that was the big city and driving in and visiting that. But it was always, to me, refreshing to go back to the suburbs, to to, to rural Woodstock. Yeah, I, I never really thought, and tell me what you think, and you're going to be on for 45 minutes, that, that Woodstock never struck me, even today, as a suburb. It was more a, a, a world apart because you had to drive so far after getting off the expressway, you had to drive 47 to get there, that it was a different kind of world. It really was small-town America. Did, did you feel that way growing up there? A- absolutely. Uh, you know, a, a, like I said, a big trip would go into Chicago, but we, we just, it's just a series of small towns within probably 20, 25 miles. And, you know, we were pretty close to Chicago, I mean, to Wisconsin, so Lake Geneva was a treat into itself going up there in the summers when it was hot. But Woodstock was probably a blend of blue-collar workers, some office workers in Chicago that take the train, but farmers. And so yeah, it was yeah. you know, just very laid back, very very friendly, family-oriented. But also, it, it, it seems to be, I don't know, and I want you to tell me about it, it seems like a perfect natural extension for you, Joe, growing up in Woodstock, to wind up at Monmouth College, about which I know very, very little. Was that a kind of almost a perfect kind of transition for you? Well, it was a circuitous route because originally I was I was planning on going to school either in Montana or out west somewhere. And I Monmouth got on the radar screen, and this is kind of I guess a little personal history, uh, a group of us uh, got caught our senior year with curfew violation. And so I was grounded, as my parents would do in the 70s. All of us were grounded. All of us were grounded for something, yeah. yeah, I spent quite a bit of my childhood grounded. But anyway, he 
wanted to attend Monmouth, and he asked if I wanted to go to a college, uh, you know, weekend visit. And I thought, well, that beats being grounded. Right. And so went to Monmouth and ended up saying, this is this is a place for me. I have to believe, having read the many stories in Brothers uh, Bears and Beers, uh, many of which, many of which take place in Monmouth College, and almost all of which were shadowed by friendships made there and experiences had there. I mean, Monmouth College uh, it has affected your life, I have to believe, it, to this very day. Absolutely. The school at the time was around 1,200 students, and they, uh, I guess, sought uh, students from either Chicago as a big area or really the Northeast as well. Yeah. And so we we got a mix, and then they had the locals that went there. There was a special program for funding and helping them, you know, finance the college, uh, you know, attendance. And so it was uh, a, a great, I guess, uh, cross section of America that went there. So we had people from New York, people from Chicago, and then you had the farmers, and we all just got together and just had fun. You were, and this this you you were a biology major, correct? Yes, a biology major, and with you had a degree in biology, and it always and you were interested also in geology. It all it strikes me that that, and I, I I'm using this word with all due respect. I'm asking, were you a nerd in college, Joe? Oh, f- far from it. Uh, <laughs> My passion at the time was going in, you know, biology, going marine biology or oceanography, because like probably a lot of people back then, I was influenced by Jacques Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau, sure. And, and I, I wanted to do that, but as I stayed in the book towards the end, that, mm-hmm. uh, I did not get into the graduate programs that I wanted to to pursue oceanography and marine biology, and so. Therefore, uh, I had to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Let me ask you before we take a little break. uh, How does a young man growing up in Woodstock and winding up in Monmouth College develop a passion for for biology and geology? Uh, What what happened in high school or in life outside of high school that, that, that sparked those passions? We had a great biology teacher at the high school. His name was Dr. Swartout, or Mr. Swartout. Right. Excuse me, I'm thinking of a professor, but it was Mr. Swartout. And he influenced so many of us uh, in the sciences. Wow. So I always felt gravitating, you know, gravitate towards the sciences. College offered me uh, geology that we didn't have opportunities to take in high school. And so it. In actuality, I enjoyed both, but I was more of a natural fit towards geology. Yeah, your, your passion shows up on, on virtually, literally, literally every page of this book. We have to take a little break now, and we'll be back with uh, Joseph Svoboda, spells last name, S-V-O-B-O-D-A, and the book is titled Brothers, Bears, and Beers. We will explain who the brothers are. We will explain who the bears are, and I don't think you need to know what beer is all about, but Joe tells some stories about that, too. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Welcome back. The jacket copy of uh, Mr. Joseph Svoboda's Brothers, Bears, and Beers. 
compares this book to, he says, think of the adventures of Tom Sawyer, Forrest Gump, and a walk in the woods with a few Animal House pranks thrown in. Uh, it's better than that, frankly, ladies and gentlemen. It's a it's a very, very lively tale, sort of anecdotally, of maybe something in the neighborhood of 50, 50 short little stories. Joe, you did not have, you're, you're a college kid, at a relatively small college in the uh, early seventies, you, you the 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 campus was not aflame as it was a few years earlier with uh, war protests and uh, and a lot of and drugs and uh, all the other things that marked college campuses. You were kind of. Do you think at Monmouth College you were kind of uh, outside the battlegrounds? Well, being small. I think everybody knew everybody. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It, it was like a big family in in one sense, kind of a maybe a in one sense a little dysfunctional because you mm-hmm. know you don't always get along with everybody. <laughs> True, you do. Yeah, you know, and and so mom it was an environment that yes, we had some protests, but again, with twelve hundred, it's never going to be that big. Right, right, and, and, right. Know, afterwards, you go out and you have a drink together. It's sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> and discuss. We'll do ours. <laughs> and discuss. Tell me about. I mean, you jo- you joined a frat house, but I, I'm trying to get a sense of. It, it didn't really matter. The, the the I think the frat guys hung out with the other guys, right? It wasn't it wasn't what one imagines at a place like let's say the U of I. Right. When you have a small campus. You really don't develop cliques. Mm-hmm. You just develop friends, and, and so whether you're Greek or not Greek, it didn't make a difference. You you had your friends that were in your majors, but they were let's say independent or other fraternities. Yes, there are always rivalries between fraternities and sorority houses and things like that. But at the end of the day, it, it, it was friends. We're all just students having a good time. Yeah, and your your parents. I I, I love the way you really thank in many ways your parents for giving you uh, the freedom to explore what you wanted to explore true they sound like terrific people yes they were they were both blue collar workers and i what they wanted were their children my two sisters my two older sisters mary and kathy as well as myself to to go to college but they did not dictate what you needed to do in college or what you wanted to be just go and basically pursue your passion mm. what 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 makes you what lights that fire under you wow wow that's really remarkable what do you can i what do your sisters do now well they're they're both retired but uh and they both went to northern illinois and one is a, a was uh a teacher then went into counseling, uh, student counseling in high school, and that, that was my oldest. That's Mary, and then Kathy went into uh, family services, uh, so you know, kind of a, a social worker. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and one lives in Union, Illinois, and one lives in Cherry Valley, a suburb of Rockford. So they stayed, nearby. <laughs> they stayed home, and you didn't. You live now. <laughs> you split your time. Uh, do you live most of the time in 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 Florida? Now? No, no. We we live in uh, north of Seattle, Washington, but we have kind of a 
a winter place here in Florida, so kind of coast to coast. How nice. And you just uh, finished off, uh, not not sort of recently, almost 40 years as a uh, as a I love your title. It's such a it's such as a kind of petroleum exploration geologist and geophysicist. I assume that means looking for uh, oil. Yeah, yes, it was domestic oil and gas exploration. Wow, and you've done a lot of adventures. I think you got the adventurous spirit when. You decided, and this makes up a huge portion of Joe's delightful, delightful book, Brothers, Bears, and Beers, uh, when after college you went, you went to Alaska. Explain how that happened, because I think your, your parents play a part in that, too. Well, there's two parts to that. One I talked about earlier, and that is I did not get into graduate school for marine biology, oceanography. So, okay, what's, what's plan B? Okay. And so my friend Ray and I said, well, maybe, maybe we ought to go, maybe go consider going to Alaska after graduation. And uh, that, that quickly became plan A. And so my parents, uh, as graduation get from college, got me a one-way ticket to Alaska. <laughs> and that can be perceived as a good or bad. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, exactly. It's like, get lost, get lost. <laughs> yeah, get lost and see you in 20 years. Yeah, I know. No. But you, Alaska, really, really, that combined, you, Joe, do you know, and I, I'm just thinking of the course of your life, that your early life, your teenage and young adult years, mm-hmm. you got, it was, you really had some lucky breaks. I mean, I think it was lucky that you guys got pulled over for for curfew violations and you wound up as, a, I'm serious about that, and wound up as a result going to Monmouth College and and your parents, having nice parents, giving you this ticket because you had some real adventures up in Alaska, didn't you? Well, absolutely, and I think it steps back one, one little bit further, and that is my grandparents still lived in, you know, north-central Wisconsin, and they had a farm. So when we would go up there as children, Basically, my my cousin Steve, who was three years younger than I am, mm. lived lived nearby, and so we would just go off into the woods mm. all day with our BB guns. Wow! So the adventures of, and the independence and the freedom and being outdoors, yeah, was really initiated back then. And so then going to Alaska, it it was just kind of an extension of. And, you know, and some of the responses from the book are one, you know, I'm surprised you're still alive. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, or, absolutely. Or two, what what were you thinking when we did some of these things? And, you know, Alaska became kind of that, okay, let's raise the bar. Yeah. Go, go there. Yeah. And Well, I mean, in, in, cases, in many ways, in many ways, it 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 was a quicker way for you to kind of grow up, don't you think? Instead of... Instead of immediately, you eventually did go to graduate school, but if, instead of going immediately to graduate school at another small college, you had to go out and kind of fend for yourself in in the real wilds where there were bears. Absolutely. And so Alaska, the, you know, the license plate was north to the future. And so to me, I, I did find myself there. Yeah. That's really, it gave me, a, you know, the independence, but the chance to say, what do I want to do with my life? And I think for a lot of 22, 23, 24-year-olds, you know, now they can take a gap year or they can do what they want to do. And that really was kind of 
my gap year or maybe a couple of years of, of finding myself to say, okay, now I, I know what I want to do. I have a direction. I have a purpose. See, I think that's one of the things that, that really is is striking, striking about your book, uh, Brothers, Bears, and Beers, is there is this underlying meaning to the whole thing. It's not just a string of, oh, funny stories and or anecdotes. It's a it is in its way, Joseph Boda, a, it is a real coming-of-age story. And I've heard that from others as well. And I think, you know, most of us, we can look at a period of time that really changed us. And it can happen in the city. It can happen out in the country. It doesn't make a difference. There's something or a person or an event that changes us. Yeah. And in Alaska was 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 that. And so when you think of geology, part of Alaska is seeing the geology at the surface, and it's kind of hard not to get excited. It's like going to Colorado. All yeah. of a sudden, you see the mountains. You know things that we don't see in it, Illinois yeah, per se. Exactly. And you say, oh, oh, I understand now. Mountains. I see what they look like. And so anyway, that that you know, Alaska was an eye opener. And everybody that's visited there that I, I've talked to, that's one of the best vacations they've ever had regardless of where they've gone in the world well it changes it you're you're right and especially talking you know to me a real city kid it changes uh it gives it gives one a new kind of perspective on the meaning of life and the the place that one has in life i i think it in i you know but not not so much between the lines here just about in your in your book, uh, Brothers, Bears, and Beers, but uh, in the lines, you see, you see a young man uh, growing up, and you see a young man realizing, I'm not going to say the meaning of life, but, but some of the meaning of life. we got to take a, another break, and after the news, I want to pursue with Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm charmed, Joe, by the, uh, by the writing in here. And I want to know how a guy who was hooked on, I, I, don't know, I don't know what kind of English classes you took or literary classes, but it's really, really well written. So think to yourself, we're going to explore that after the news, if you'd be so kind enough to hang on the phone, will you? Thanks, Absolutely. Joe. Thank, Thank you. you, Joe. We will be back, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back. Welcome back to what may be the final after hours of the year 2023, and I'm spending it... Uh, in very good company with Joseph Svoboda. He has a website that would be Joseph, the letter O, and S-V-O-B-O-D-A dot com. But you can buy his, his marvelous book, Brothers, Bears, and Beers, a memoir of friendships, adventures, and mishaps. It's about the young Joe, mostly, but you can sense what the new Joe is really like. Joe, I don't mean to embarrass. Welcome back, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but when I read I read this book and thought, "Wow, this guy's a good, good writer." I realized that you've spent your entire working career as a scientist, and so I looked up a couple of your papers, and I don't know if if I had just if I had seen that, Joe. I got to tell you something. If I'd seen this before I read your book, I might not have read your book. One of the articles that you wrote was called. Is Permian salt dissolution the primary mechanism for fractured genesis at Silo Field, Wyoming? Uh, your life has been spent writing real, real technical papers for your profession. 
How did you write this book? Was it not kind of intimidating to say to yourself, I'm going to sit down and write my memoir? How'd you, how'd, how'd you come to that? Well, yes, it, 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 uh, it was intimidating to the point where I started only at the suggestion of a friend who was taking a class called Memories to Memoirs. Interesting. And, Interesting. And so he, he, he raised the, he had some stories about Alaska that he, he was writing. And so I thought, okay. And then after about two weeks, I realized I didn't have the discipline to want to continue to write. So I stopped for about four years. Okay. <laughs> but in that time, I was processing kind of a format of how I would structure the story. <laughs> and so when COVID came, and I know you, you contracted COVID oh, yeah. about, that, about that time when we're all kind of isolated. Yes. I, I punched out the story in about three and a half months. <clears throat> and punch out, you, by punched out the story, you mean you punched out this entire book in three and a half months? Right, but it was the first draft. But still, was, it's still. Yeah, right. But, but I'll, I want to click this. I'm going to put a, a, you know, a disclaimer here. My wife, a prolific <laughs> reader, <laughs> I said, okay, read this, and I think she got to chapter two <laughs> and said, this needs work. <laughs> so, <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, 43 years. And you're still married. That didn't do you and in? Okay, was, good, 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 good. You trust each other. she was absolutely correct with that statement. So the next two years involved the editing, rewriting, um, I worked with a neighbor uh, that critiqued it and expand this, expand that. That's that is not normal for me, and so it was painful. Yeah, and yeah. I, I do appreciate authors that can generate more than one book because it just gave me a new appreciation for the amount of work it takes. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it is not easy. But I'm 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 frankly stunned. You came up with some this this readable. I, I it, and in three and a half months, I don't care if it, if, if it's your eighteenth draft uh, to come up with the first draft of this book because you're dealing with memory, and memory is a very 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 tricky thing. Were you able, Joe, to trust your memory uh, for these you know forty some? Can't remember how many stories. Almost almost fifty uh, small. They're all short short, wonderfully short and punched up stories. Were you able to trust your memory or did you ever have to call friends and say, hey, like, Ray, how did we, what did we do that day, you know, we were driving down the road? Did you trust, were you able to trust your memory? There's there's three parts to answer that question. Yeah. One is, I kept a journal for, for our experiences in Alaska. So I had a daily journal. Oh, wow. How helpful. Yeah. And then a lot of the background, too, for some of the dates, my dad journaled pretty much his whole adult life, so I was able to fill some things in. Oh. The third part, which makes the memoir to me so special, are the individuals still are still alive. Yeah. And so their specific chapters, they would critique it and say, the sequence is wrong, or this is what... This <laughs> I is didn't what you do that, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And there was some of that, too. Or they didn't want to be acknowledged as doing that. And so they had to be edited out. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so it was a collaborative effort. So I, I did feel writing it that they were standing over my shoulder. Oh, interesting. And so finally at the end, did they finally get to read the entire book? Otherwise, they were just reading the few chapters yeah. that they were involved in. Yeah. And, and, the men at the end. so anyway, it was kind of a, what I would say a team effort, certainly a team effort. So I, I have the feeling that uh, your work as a scientist, which is a very, very detailed kind of job, uh, it was beneficial for you in writing this book, because writing is whatever anybody will tell you. It's a very detailed uh, occupation. Yes, and as, as an exploration geologist, you get to use both sides of your brain because mm-hmm. one side you are analyzing the data and this is trying to put together what the surface looks like 15 20 30,000 feet below the surface right right and then you're using the other side to be creative to say okay how do i tie all this data these data mm. in to make to make sense and so there's there is that creativity and i, I think that creativity side comes into the book yeah, no question. No question. And, 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 and so that was part of trying to bring in some geology, bring in the relationships, bring in, you know, the experiences. And, you know, like I said, you know, it, it, it's, it is right. It's 50 short chapters that each one is a, a little bit of a story. Some of it continues, but. Yeah. Well, and I also like, I also like, and I think it's, I, 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 I was eager for it though i didn't know i was eager for it until coming to the afterward where you you catch up uh you you update the lives of many of the characters who appear in your stories and in your life uh uh it's it's a remarkable book it's seeing it in your hands and getting that first uh copy between covers uh how empowering was that for you Well, in one sense, that last series of edits, I read the book so many times. You were sick of it. Yeah, I, I get was, it. That, that's a polite way of, yeah, of saying it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, when the funny. art comes out, it's okay. It, it's nice to see it all put together. Yeah. But it, it was, uh, yeah, you know, because I know you've written several. So you, I get it. No, I totally get it. <laughs> Joe, it's a remark. Well, Joseph Boda, it's a remarkable accomplishment. Joe has a website. It's Joseph, oh, the letter O, S V O B O D A dot com. It's a lovely website, by the way. You have another. My last question for you, Joe, and I'm so glad we were able to pull off this interview, and I'm so glad that I've read your book, uh, Brothers Beer, Bears and Beers. Uh, you have another book in you. You know, people have asked that, and I'm kind of. I have two paths that I can go down, and I'm just trying to think of which one I want to put effort in. Well, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the holidays, and enjoy the uh, the uh, the uh, things that people will tell you about this book, Joe. It's really a remarkable book, and I'm glad we finally met. Well, Rick, I appreciate it, and I want to say one thing uh, just for your audience and that is all the proceeds of the book oh that's right proceeds are being donated to the michael j fox foundation for parkinson's research why is that why well there's two parts one is ray the protagonist in the book his wife has parkinson i'm sorry and then two 
I know several people have yeah. Parkinson's, and so when I do book signings or so, that tends to be, it's amazing to me how many people are touched by Parkinson's, uh, and they know people personally. So for them, they'll buy the book, not necessarily it's a genre that they would read, yeah. but it's, it, it is being donated to Parkinson's. And Rick, I do want to thank you again for no, getting no. this scheduled. I know what the Don't be silly. It's not me. It's a crazy radio station. <laughs> I'm glad we could pull this off, Joe. Next time I'll you're in this it. neck of the woods, uh, give me a call, and uh, I, I will buy I, know that I will buy you a Johnson. beer. Thank you much. I know Robin Johnson's ex- talked about you and talked about the billy goat and all this and that so you're welcome i'd love to meet you're welcome anytime it's quite a book joe congratulations thank you very much take care happy holidays holidays. to you take care same to you interesting nice guy